Welcome to Big 20, a roundtable discussion where GMs from all walks of life discuss gaming and field questions from viewers. Hosts this week are... Hello, I am Scrim. Um, I've been playing RPGs for a good six years and uh, have DM'd and played many a different game. Uh, you can find me pretty often on the Shadowcasters Network where I have a regular show and occasional, uh, occasional short arcs as well. My name's Chad. I am a host on Fear the Boot, and apparently I'm also a host on Big 20 as well. And I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of the World Walkers Universe podcast series that takes place inside D&D, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and Savage Worlds. And this week we are talking about lasting villains. Who wants to go first? Well, I'll go first. <laughs> so, um, lasting villains... I think beyond just, uh, you know, them lasting past the third round of combat, you know, we're talking about, <clears throat> pardon me, we're talking about villains that are memorable beyond either the game or they are very memorable throughout the game. And really, I think to make a villain that is memorable, memorable like that, you have to make them likable. You know, mm. you, you have to make them relatable, likable, and you can kind of see where they're coming from, maybe even if you don't agree with it, or maybe you don't have all the information and they are bad, but they're doing it for this other reason. Or maybe you think, well, there's got to be some other explanation. You know, essentially you have to make them a multifaceted, interesting character beyond just, you know, Adolf Hitler. You have to make them you know, sorry, sorry, Hitler liked to paint. Hitler did. He, he loved animals <laughs> and children. He was a vegetarian. Yeah, you know, and he murdered a lot of Jews. Also, really terrible, terrible guy. It's a big ass. Yeah, I mean, just horrible, horrible person in general. Um, but and but people did like him. I mean, would would I say Hitler is a good villain? Well, I mean. <laughs> I wasn't around. I'm so glad I wouldn't think he would wow, be taken wow. away. Chad. We went from I'm, zero to Hitler real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's that. Go that on. does actually bring up another point too. You need to make a villain likable, right? You, or relatable. So how far do you go with the evil, right? Like, can I can I offer a counterpoint or, or a question? So what about somebody like Cersei Lannister? She's a villain, but we also like most people don't like her. We love to hate her. Mm, yeah. What about something like that? That's that's where I go. I think mm -hmm. um, as the, you know, there's always that that thing of like the difference between love or the opposite of love is not hate but indifference. Like when people are indifferent to your villains. Oh my god! Then mm -hmm. this is really hard. I keep trying to find relevance, but like, if they if they hate, then that's amazing. And there's like the difference between hate and love to hate because you can be annoyed and fed up with a villain, but unless you love to hate them, that's why there's always a discussion about which Final Fantasy villains the best because everybody has a different reason why they love to hate a villain, and they'll be like, I hate Kefka, but I love Sephiroth, and someone else is like, Sephiroth <laughs> is a fucking anime villain. But I love whoever the dude in nine was. I didn't play nine enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There might be something about likability though that makes a villain oh, yeah, yeah. like where you do enjoy hating them a little yeah, bit. I think there's a lot of different ways you can make a meal. Mm -hmm. Like there's mm -hmm. always different kinds of ingredients. But yeah, it's I think it always is gonna come down to what you love to play as as the GM too. Because if you don't love your villain, like then it's going to be really hard for players to love to hate the villain. Mm -hmm. Well, and you have to balance too. You know, yeah, love to hate them is great, but if they if the players hate them so much, like they are so unreprehensible. I mean, they are just reprehensible. They are just cannot forgive them. Horrible, horrible. Love to hate them, villain. Then the players can't interact with them. You know, you you can't like role play. Mm -hmm as the villain or with the players because suddenly the the villain goes from this interesting nuanced huge a lot a lot of lore a lot of plot line all this stuff you've put into him and now the players are like if i see him i'm shooting him in the face mm -hmm. it's like well he has a lot of guards and he'll they'll kill you no he is so evil i am willing to die to kill him and it's just like, well, okay, yeah, you made them love to hate him, maybe a little too much. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and once you get to that point, that's real hard to scale back to. Yeah. It, it's not like you can say, oops, sorry, I burned the orphanage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that might, it might be semantics, but that's where I think it would cross over from love to hate, which is they're enjoying it to yeah. just hate, hate. Like moving from, Oh my God, I cannot wait to put this guy down to like, if we don't kill him this session, all of you fuckers are dead. I'm going to burn your sheets and none of you are going to get home. And it's like, wait, what, what do you mean by not getting home? And it's like, don't fucking worry about it tonight. Like, <laughs> I yeah, think there's I, yeah. an, there's an element there of um, integration with the players too. So if they like are going to shoot on site, they have no reason to keep him alive. So maybe, mm-hmm. You know, it, there's some sort of Harry Potter Voldemort connection where if he dies, the other one dies, or something like that. Or maybe yeah. there's they it ha- they have information or something that the players want. I think there has to be it has to be kind of messy, and they have to have their lives integrated in some way, or the mm-hmm. story at very least integrated in some way. That's why some of the best villains aren't really villains; they're rivals. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're exactly. like them sometimes like the person that you're setting up as the big bad doesn't ever register as much as that rival adventure group or that that uh other mage that graduated with you. Like, you know, sometimes you get the best that's why like love to hate is so important because sometimes the best villains come out of the backstory. They're not even your mm-hmm. villains yeah. or the ones that somebody else came up with. And yes. you're like Oh shit! I guess I'll add that in. I had a campaign where the big evil villain was this this emperor of a floating island. But the thing that they really were obsessed with was the fact that they were getting help from the father of a previous player, and he had been building these machinations to take over everything and fill the void of the emperor. That's who they really were into. Mm, like, yeah. They eventually did get up to the emperor and stuff like that too, but. For the longest time, when that guy betrayed him, mm-hmm. didn't even, I didn't care about the emperor. Like we got, we got other stuff to do. Like yeah, 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 it can kind of be that distant sort of. And I didn't make him. He came from the backstory, and the guy was like, "I think my guy's probably a dick, and if he's the bad guy at some point, let me know." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "He's it. He's it." I'll I'll punch him in for a nine thirty. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I I love the idea of care taking the characters backstory and the and the the characters within their characters and their backstories and making them villains uh because there there is a story built in there and the players have buy-in to it they they already have a connection and, and, and an emotional attachment to those to those characters instead of well we rolled into town and there's this dragon eating people <laughs> I am emotionally invested in killing the dragon, taking its treasure and parting its body out for money. You know, it, it's like, well, that that's not really cool. It's like, okay, you roll into a town and it's being taken over by a, a warlord and you confront the warlord, you're going to kill him and they take off their helmet and it's your fucking mom. Mm-hmm. Well, like you know, it, that like kind of changes the narrative yeah. a little yeah. bit. That's, that kind of, you know, they, they have to like actually start making decisions. And it's just, then there's like all kind of party tension too. It's like, well, I don't care if that's your mom. They're, that's the evil warlord. They're killing everybody, but it's my mom. Don't you understand? It's her mom. We can talk to her, you know? And then there's yeah. like, that's, that's role playing. That's the interesting thing. How did she get like this? Why is she like that? But you do yeah. have to be careful though. You have to be really careful. Like, like there's the, the game I'm currently in is a uh, traveler game. And one, one of the players, it has a whole bunch of contacts because when she rolled up the character, it just, I don't know if you've ever played traveler before. they use life path systems and your character can go anywhere. Like you might have an idea of where you want to start and you can end off, end up way off left field. Anyway, she has like a whole bunch of contacts, like tons and tons of contacts based on how the character rolled out. And the vast majority of them are acquaintances or friends or business contacts. Only one or two of them are like rival sort of, you know, bad guys. Well, the game master took one of them who was an interesting character and made her kind of a bad guy, not the big bad, but in a certain sort of situation, they were the antagonist of that sort of episode. And afterwards, the pl- I was talking to the player, and, 
And she was like, I thought that was my NPC. You know, I, I, I thought I, I, I rolled up my character, hmm. points were spent, you know, concessions made, rules were followed, and out of that popped an NPC that was mine. And now it's not mine. And not only is it not mine, it's not what my intention was. Now, it wasn't a big, giant, game-breaking thing. I mean, it, it was all cool. It was just sort of one of those things like, hmm, I'm not, not sure about that. Sort of That's an interesting thought, because I, I uh, think that players give us the best ideas for where to send our story. And I love using backstories and manipulating them and playing around with them. Um, but uh, there is there is that point where where does their autonomy end and mine begin? Mm-hmm. What what permission do I have to move characters around and, and change change things? I, I had um, I had a character who made who set himself up to be obsessed with a certain book that he found and and so I thought, oh, this is so interesting. And so as I, you know, after a couple of sessions, my my villain, uh, my big villain was a, a lich, and so I made it the phylactery of the lich that like had this it basically would suck people in and they get obsessed with it and then eventually go crazy and run and hide it. So I started like getting to him and you know, and he didn't intend that, but he left it a little bit loose. Like he kind of left it hanging. He was like, no, it was supposed to be this book from blah, 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 blah. So it, and it made it so personal because it eventually led to his demise. So it was so, so like close to home. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interesting. That's maybe, did I overstep by taking his story and making yeah. it different? I think that's like, <clears throat> to me, the fundamental building block of any villain is just like the fundamental building block of any other part of the game. It all comes down to trust. If you have the trust, you can tell the story. So like if the players feel like they can never beat the bad guy for, I have a, I have a friend um, and he, the way he likes to tell his stories, he likes to have the villain come in, beat the shit out of everyone and then walk away to establish dominance, sort of like bearing his throat Mm. to like beta pups or some shit. And I hate that. I do not like that idea. I don't like the idea that you're like, my guy is the best. You're the worst. Mm. Welcome to welcome to the leveling uh, part of the game where you have to get up to my level. If you don't have that trust, it's not going to work. I, I feel anyway. So I'm really interested to hear what you all think about that. I feel like the the building of a villain is really just another part of building that trust because if you can get the players to trust in you in that story and trust in the growth of that character, you can take villains onto such a higher level mm. than just here's my guy. He's bad. He burns things, but he, <laughs> he sucks. Yeah. He sucks. He sucks so bad. Like mm-hmm. I had a, well, what, um, well, which is it? Does he suck or does he burn? He can do both. With trust, you wouldn't ask that question, Chad. We don't have the, re- we don't have that trust yet. No, uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, worst you know, GM ever. Was, it's so unbalanced. <laughs> there was a villain. I made this bad guy who he um, was searching out an item in D and D called the deck of many things. And the problem that was thing. that he had a glove that let him pull whatever card he wanted to. And he was a terrible, boring uh, sorcerer, but he had a group of people that were really good. <laughs> they were helping him get there. Mm. And since they saw his beginnings, as he finally got the deck and started doing crazy world-changing things, that trust was built because they saw how he got there and then they watched him grow. When you watch villains grow and commit greater atrocities, I feel like it helps instill that trust subconsciously because you're seeing the story you're you're a part of it and stuff like that i don't know if you'd all if you have uh, uh, any thoughts on that or well i think i think you've touched on one thing i think is absolutely fundamental to making a villain is that they have to be fully and 100 percent entirely convinced that they are the good guy mm. you can't Ooh. make a villain uh, well i i don't say i don't say you can't but i think that Villains who who like are like, ooh, I love evil mm-hmm. are are they have a place in like a campy, right. fun, goofy campaign. But if you if you want to make one that is um really genuine, no snidely whiplashes, you're going to need to make them truly believe in their cause. And sometimes too they they Or so, victim of their cause. Like Dracula. Dracula can be interpreted as a as a tragic villain. Hmm. You know, he 
did fair, not necessarily yeah. want to be that. But then he's also reprehensible because he didn't actually do anything to not be Dracula and and evil and that sort of thing. So it, that, I mean, that, that's another no, take on a villain. Miss meetings, or... <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I guess the question too is with Dracula: is Dracula a villain or just an animal force of nature? Too that, depends on the story. Hmm. Some it does really love to wrap around it, but I think the the core concept of, of Dracula is that Dracula is an actual force of evil. He yeah. may sometimes in stories he's sympathetic, sometimes in stories he's the victim. But I think overall he is. If he didn't love what he did, then he'd be a victim. But mm-hmm. maybe it took longer than normal for someone to finally break down. But he is someone who. He he wears fucking capes like a normal person. <laughs> he's in it. Like he's there's so many chances of dialogue where he's just like perhaps the same could be said of all mortals. Fuck off, dude. You're a bad guy. Like <laughs> you want me to like you. You're here How can for I lunch. like you? I'm food. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. like at the end of the day, you don't think you're ends. talking to an equal. You think that you're teaching me something. Yeah. That's a villain. Everyone yeah. who does that is And a that's villain. a stupid villain yeah. because that's like me going to a farm and talking to a cow and yeah. saying, You must accept this. In fact, it's that was the even internet. a whole that was even a, a subplot <laughs> in Hitchhiker's Guide because it was cruel to eat an animal that yeah. did not necessarily want to be eaten, so they genetically engineered an animal intelligent enough to want to be eaten. Right, right, right. <laughs> but no, the internet is full of like a bunch of villains on a casting couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's like me. Oh, great, great, great. You don't even know what it's like in my city. Perhaps <laughs> I could talk. Like, but. but yeah, I think a villain who truly believes in their cause is going to, they're going to, it's going to lend them to trying to convince people to join them, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, monologuing, which which can be awkward, but can be really fun. Like you, I don't know. We all want that moment where we can monologue a little bit and finally give some exposition before the players slaughter our, our bad guys. I wonder if like there's any meat on the bone of this conversation of like, I think there's so many different types of villains. Right. And like, I think that every one of us probably has our favorite version of a villain. Like, cause I Mm. love, like going back to Final Fantasy, I love Kefka because he was just an agent of chaos. He yeah, he had no motive. He had he, no reason to do what he, he did. Was he was the villain who chaos. enjoyed being a villain because he wanted to break things, right? And so I wonder, right. like, is there any meat on this bone of uh, trying to talk about the different types of villains and how you go about building them? Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, for instance, what is your favorite like villain? Each of you, either specifically or type, like. It's. It, I think I've got a feel for it, but I'm really curious what each of you thinks is like. Not just your favorite villain, but like your um, like your go-to, your good one. Like if you really want to impress a group, oh, I got to get on this. Like, <laughs> my favorite kind of villain is one who's just doing his thing. You know, it, I'm not saying he's a workaday Joe, but you know, he is there. He's doing his thing, and. It's like the players are overlaying their morality on him. And, you know, he when he encounters the players, he's like, what's up, guys? This is great, isn't it? And it but on a more intellectual level, you know, it's I want the players to go after the villain, to go after him, confront him, have a conversation with him and then be like, I need to go away and think about this for a minute <laughs> because I'm not sure you're wrong, damn it. And that makes yeah. me angry. Yeah. That, that to me, that's a victory. That's a, that's a villain victory right there. I am. Um, it's, I think that what I under, like what players tell me was my, um, their favorite villain was there was a, a group of, um, people they were and it kind of plays into what you're saying like it was a group of people called the chronos and what they found out they their world was conquered by dragons they finally killed the last dragon and they found out through certain means that the dragons had control of time and they had been erasing time to get to the point where dragons rule when they found the time source of what the dragons were using they're like well we could do better than that but as they got to the end of their timeline they didn't like what happened and they've changed the world about 12 times <laughs> since then because, you know, eventually it ends, right? 
Mm. Bullshit doesn't make any sense. They kept tampering with the world worse and worse. And they got to the point where they realized it doesn't work. Time doesn't work. It's time to break apart reality. And so there was, I really like that, um, that group kind of villain. Those Mm. are my favorite, like, uh, Mm. for lack of a better term, Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. There is an organization 13 and they all have one goal, but each one has their own flavor. And so the Kronos would jump from world to world and knock out the pillars of history that helped give it its um, solidity or, Mm -hmm. you know, strength, its um, whatever. And so they were going from world to world and erasing important events. They didn't have to erase all of time. They just had to knock out the things where reality and time didn't work anymore. And um, I lost a few worlds to it in that, in that campaign, but they really liked it because it gave a chance for them to hear the thought process of each, each chronos. Those are my favorite, the ensemble group, mm. where like there was one of them who delighted in watching individual timelines die. They would take out someone's great, great grandmother and just, watch people turn to sand and there was one person who didn't want to do this but we're far past the point where he could leave the group and then there was like the main villain things like that i love that's my favorite kind of a uh, villain to play is the the group of villains mm, that's that cool. to show off a different part of person their personality i think i think my favorite way to play is to have to bring mm, my players to the point where they're questioning who the villain is so a villain who has possibly, maybe not diametrically opposed, but opposing conflicting views, um, but has intentions that are uh, not entirely different from what the players would might have, and their methods are a little bit more horrific. <laughs> so, you know, at, that, at one point, too, the players, most players will start to get go on down dark paths um, and, and make, make difficult decisions and do things that, that, you know, would traditionally be considered evil. And so if I can make them face a villain and, and at that time feel like they're looking in a mirror, that's the kind of villain Mm. I want to create. Somebody who is uh, not so unlike the players, Mm -hmm. but I also, there's also elements of, of, like somebody that's like pure evil. Like I really like Hela um, from uh, um, Thor Ragnarok. I really liked her. She was just, you know, she's the goddess of death. So she's just, of course she's going to come and kill everybody. Like that's her whole deal. And she's, so she's just like, you know, we all sort of agree like death is not great. We don't really want that. And so, uh, and so she seems entirely evil. And of course her methods are awful, uh, but it's, uh, I, I like that too, but if, when I'm playing the game, I want I want that moment of reflection. Yeah, I have um, the main villains, I guess, of the the podcast that I'm running. It's been going on for a little while now. Are called the nightmares, and they're basically the idea that the dreams are these essences that exist, and when they're exposed to the pain that humanity just either suffers or inflicts on each other, they become twisted. And they ah. become nightmares and they're these sickly dark shapes that like whenever they hit you, they start to see what you're afraid of. And then they shape themselves into your realities and stuff like that. And they have like no real goals. They're just like a virus. And they're basically just what happens when people nice. <laughs> come into a nice place. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid. Um, That's good. And they kind of, they're almost limitless. And it's been really fun to watch players battle them out, think of new tactics and stuff, but also slowly learn. I'm only saying some of that because it finally came out, but like slowly learned this giant story behind them. Sometimes I like those villains Mm. where there's so much story and lore behind it that you get a chance to really dig into them, whether it's a person or a movement or an essence. I think anytime, basically anytime the players are free to explore a villain or a villainous plot in their way, it automatically becomes a great villain. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then they have the autonomy. Yeah. Um, I think we, we got a, a question uh, in the chat right now that says, what type of villain do uh, they wish they could do a better job of playing? Ah, I love that. Like, yeah, what what villain do we suck at? <laughs> no, but what villain do we yeah. wish we could pull off better? I I wish that I could pull off one that you had mentioned earlier, which is the group villain. Um, mm. I think I'm pretty good at doing a individual because I could map out 
the connections that the individual has, their motivations. They are trying to go from point A, they're trying to get to point B, and those meddling kids are in the middle. And that, that just all works for me. But the group, because I've, I've done group villains before, and it just seems to me that it, when I run them, it's diluted. You know, mm. I, I can, they're interesting characters in the same way, like a team of wrestlers is, are interesting individuals, but they're still kind of a team. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, they're all kind of the samey. And it's like, they're all moving towards this goal, which is really just the leader's goal. And they're following the leader because I can only wrap my head around the one person <laughs> and they're just kind of the followers. Mm. But, yeah. but like, yeah. And, and a henchman is not the same as a team of mm-hmm. villains. You know? Right, and, right. Because I, I think that, like, you, you'd be a really good game master to run a good villain who has henchmen. You'd be a better game master to run evil, an evil team of equals. You would be a really, really good game master if you did, uh, what, what's the DC League of Evil? League or of, uh, yeah. Yeah, the the oh, anti justice league or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because yeah. it's like because they mix up with Scott Pilgrim, like the League of Evil X, <laughs> League of Evil X, yeah, Legion of Doom. Thank you, Legion of Doom. Yeah, there you go. And because you have these bad guys who are on a team, they all have individual characters and motivations, and they are generally working together for temporary gains, but they're also evil and they're backstabbing each other and such, and they all have separate motivations. To me, that that would be really interesting to run and a very a big challenge to run as well. I think I have trouble. I have trouble playing an environmental villain, like a disease or um, something that's not tangible. Oh, I was going to say, uh, just watch Captain Planet. They got a lot of environmental. Villains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do, like, do it's not them. one guy. It's it's like. I don't know, radiation poisoning. It's you, 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 you get the idea. Um, because I, I, I just like deep down, I feel bad making all my players sick. And like, I just, I just to, to hamstring my players in any way, like if they can't, you know, they're sick and they can't rest and they get exhausted and all that kind of stuff. I feel like, like, am I taking away gameplay from them? Am I taking, you know, cause if this is kind of all around, um, and then, and then, you know, it can affect their families and stuff like that. I have trouble being ruthless. I always, whenever I play a game, I always play the good guy and, and I have, yeah. I have trouble going that full distance. So I find it easier to kind of distill it into one person and, and, you know, remove it a little bit, not make it quite so, um, yeah. present. So I have, I have trouble with that and I would love to do a really good man versus environment kind of game. It sounds similar to maybe I'm misreading it, but it sounds similar to the uh, the death spiral effect that some games have, like Savage Worlds, where like once players get fucked enough, mm. it just gets worse for them yeah. here on out, and now they're yeah. Um, I don't know if that's what that um, chimes in with what you're saying. But that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, this when you start hitting the players in a way where now they're mechanically really going to stop. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So when I, when I'm messing around with their everyday life, like mm-hmm. not letting them rest, not letting them, um, uh, you know, I think Pathfinder does a really good job of this with um, diseases. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to roll the next day and if you fail, you go down the track and roll oh, the next yeah. day, you fail, you go down the track. And I, 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 I worry that it's taking away autonomy. That's my, that's my concern that I'm, I'm making it no longer fun. Um, and that's not necessarily the case. Like that can still be a lot of fun. It can, you know, overcoming that can yeah. be even, even better. So I, I get kind of tied up like, Oh, I can't do something like that. Um, yeah. I prefer to have, have an identifiable person or group or whatever. You know, something I, you said uh, earlier in, in that, where you said that you had a hard time because sometimes, because you like playing the good guys, you like playing, you know, the, the sort of the, the do-gooders, a villain does not have to be evil. Cause if you think about it, your party is a, they're not necessarily good. Uh, but let's, let's take off the table that you have an evil party and the bad guys are the good guys. Let's, let's, that, that's not what I'm talking about here. Your party in fact, let's take morality off the table for a minute. Your party, if they're well-made, and you have a good world, should have 
aims and goals and motivations. You can have villains that are not evil that just run counter to those aims, goals, and motivations. Right. And that's actually what I said earlier. That's my favorite kind of villain to play. One that's just sort of opposed to what the player's want and goes about it in sort of dastardly ways. I actually had, um, in one campaign I had, uh, they don't even have to go about it in dastardly ways. They could maybe just call the cops, (laughs) the (laughs) lawyer. (laughs) Mm, That's right. Um, I, I had, uh, uh, someone on Reddit posted like, Oh, I I don't have time for a a D and D campaign, but I would love to like play a behind the villain behind the scenes. And I was like, so I, I contacted this guy and he just, you know, after a session, I'd tell him what my players did, and then he would he would just create all these crazy machinations behind the scenes that were happening. And then so I'd unleash these crazy mon- – this guy had the best monsters. I'd unleash these crazy monsters and, like, these re- – like, he would, like, make golems out of people and, like – and like, just do all these awful things that I, I would never have thought of. I just, I, I have trouble making, like going that next step. So it was kind of nice to have somebody else do it for me. <laughs> I, uh, I think that my, the, the villain that I have the toughest time with, but I want to preface it as, uh, as greedy as it, as it may sound, it may not be me that has a problem. It may be that my players are the problem. <laughs> because I have a goofy bunch of players, right? So they're always willing mm. to laugh at something. Mm. I have a really hard time pulling off the reveal villain in my current groups. Mm. Okay. So like, who is it? Who is that? Have the, this actually happened, uh, throw myself under the bus or them. Maybe it's the players that suck. Uh, like, are they the baddies? Um, but like um, season four of World Walkers, the whole time you're not really sure in theory who the villains are. You have a villain show up in the beginning. They dispatch them. They go about learning who they are and why they were targeted. And then suddenly towards the end of the season, the villains show up. And it's a big reveal of like, you didn't know that you were actually a part of it. And they're like, fuck mm. off. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And they're like, you're a weird dude in a city trying to talk to me. I don't need this. Like, <laughs> And I was like, but the plot. <laughs> don't, my plot. You, don't you think it's weird that you were ch- not really you're you're creepy go away <laughs> <laughs> the reveal film would be my thing oh. i had somebody described to me something he did in a game um that b- basically like his players were tasked with moving these people were under threat from a certain demon or dragon it was a group of a certain religion and so this demon would come and, and slaughter them all so they were like okay well we need to get these people out of the city so they t- round them all up and put them on trains and and send them out of the city and so it you know it got better and then it got worse and so they kept finding these people and sending them away um until you know, gradually they started to realize what was really happening is that the powers that be were rounding up groups of, of people in this one religion and sending them to to like labor camps like they didn't actually know. And so then his big, their big reveal was like they got to one of these places and, and it were horrified. I was yeah. like, that is genius. <laughs> That's amazing. You're the villains the whole time. You didn't even know. That's great. <laughs> There's a, a question in chat from, uh, and I'm sorry, I didn't mention the last person who has a young one too, I believe, but um, Dusty um, Van, City? Van City. Yeah. Uh, says, what would you say would be the best note to a GM to run a memorable villain besides the backstory connections? Hmm. I, I think that go to my gut, maybe I'll think of a better tip in a minute but like my go-to is like figure out what your favorite villain is because villains oftentimes are you putting yourself in their shoes right like they're like very much the npc that you gotta really fall in love with yourself so like Mm -hmm. if you love what the villain's doing it's like so many other parts of the game your passion is what people like in so many whether that's like any kind of creative endeavor if you love it, people can hook onto that a lot easier than if you did the calculations and created the perfect scenario where a villain hits all the, if you love it. And that's like weird advice. Cause I, I don't like that stuff. Like just do it. But like, I really think like if you figure out the kind of take a minute to study the kind of villains that you like and put together your favorite villain, like take the components down. Like what did you love about Vader? What did you love um about this 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 and if you can like don't just think about it like write it down write the couple of attributes and story plot moments that you liked about that villain 
make your villain based on that. I think that'll go a long way to getting you to someone um, faster than say, like um, make sure they have a sweet sword. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't hurt though. Sweet sword. I mean, yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. So we're fighting Vader. I want some boots of dancing. Make sure mm-hmm. Vader has boots of dancing. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I might like <laughs> sure Vader that. can cha-cha. <laughs> right. I mean, cause that's canon, right? <laughs> <laughs> what do you all think though? Well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, like I cannot, it would be hard for me to imagine a player trying to give me a note in the middle of a campaign saying, oh, yeah. Hey, can we do this with a villain? Now? I mean, if they said, Hey, is the barkeep who has been kind of weird and maybe has some odd connections and he never lets us go in the basement. Wait, is that what I said? Or you, is that what you thought I said? Well, what, like, what would you say would be the best note to a GM to run a memorable villain? Oh, I advice? thought he was saying advice. Like, what advice would you give to a GM? I read it as note. Like, what, what, what would be the best note to give to oh, a GM? Oh, I guess we need clarification. But I thought it was like, what would I give if I were giving a note or a comment to somebody? Oh. Like, advice. If mm. I misread it, mm. yeah, I apologize. But that's mm. the, yeah, that's what I interpreted as as well. But well, and the well, okay. So going off the advice thing, let, let's roll back here for a second. The advice thing is very situational. Like, are we mm-hmm. talking about a new GM in their first game? Are we talking about a veteran GM advice? Wants, note, yeah. So yeah, but who wants to do something different? Are I always we, assume novice that way. Because the 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 the, um, the veteran will be like, yeah, I got it, asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to listen to you. And, yeah, if like, if okay. a veteran says, "Hey, I got it, I know it," I've been gaming since I was like 14, and I'm 43 now, and I have an entire five show. Yeah, five. I have been. I have an entire show that we have been doing for over 10 years that is entirely based around the fact that we're terrible at role-playing games and then all of the advice around that. No one is a veteran GM. If you're a veteran GM, then that means that you're just running the same thing over and over again and you have it polished to a fine, boring home. (laughs) It's like you need to take chances. You need to make mistakes. You need to learn. That's the great thing about the hobby. Uh, So yeah, I would absolutely give advice to veteran GM. I mean, I, not that I wouldn't, I just assume because I don't know where they're coming from. So I don't want to assume mm-hmm. experience level. Yeah. And because yeah. like you're saying, advice mm-hmm. is practical no matter what. So I don't right. ever, I don't really ever think about, because you were saying like which one, novice versus veteran. Yeah. I don't usually assume because advice is good advice usually no matter what. Mm-hmm. But um, did you have anything, uh, Scrim, that you were thinking? Like, um, your one note. Your... Yeah. I'd just say try to, try to make it as, um, present as possible so like if it's some big evil emperor talk you know people talk about taxes and talk about how they're you know now they're destitute because of this or if it's um uh matt colville had a really awesome thing and i can't remember his video series name but he he like his suggestion was, you know, in an early, early in the game, Barfrey breaks out, somebody dies. And so this guy comes in, like kind of floats in and he looks delighted and offers to pay the person who killed him, like a certain amount of money and takes the thing away, takes the body away. So he's like collecting, but like this weird one little moment where this guy does this weird, creepy thing. And it's just right in front of your face. And, and it, you know, it'll keep coming up and nobody really knows why, what's going on. Like things like that, just having, mm-hmm. having moments like that all the time makes it feel like, Oh, urgent. That's, that's, that's what I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to uh, uh, also answer angry cheese toasts question. Have you ever had a player character reveal themselves to be a villain? And I, uh, to clarify, they've been working with the DM the whole time. And they show that they're the villain. Um, no, I have not had that. And honestly, as a player, I don't know if I'd like it. I, I, until he added the working with the DM part, I would have answered that with nearly every single game I've played or ran over my entire career, players are always the villains. They're always breaking the law and doing bad things and going outside the box. I mean, that's part of the fantasy is that you don't conform to society. Uh, But 
have I ever had one reveal themselves as a villain working with the GM? I, well, I mean, not really. Uh, I've had characters like go off the rails and then there was sort of a mutual consent of, you know, you're kind of the bad guy now, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think you are. But it's never been, I've never had a game where from the start, everyone's making their character and Joe Bob pulls me off to the side, says, okay, I got this great thing. Six months in, I'm a vampire and I'm there to kill everybody or something like that. I'm like, you know, uh, how about you just play your character and I'll take care of the bad guy stuff. Hmm. I I have two quick stories. The first one is um, it's an open secret that I don't necessarily enjoy the warlock class in D&D. We'll leave that off to the side for a second, but suffice to say that I don't usually allow them to be played in the settings that I have. Right. And so I had left it off the table for a long, long time. And then finally a player is like, I really want to do this. I really, I want to play. I want to play. I'm like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And <clears throat> we play a game. He's, he's got his character at the end of the game. Everyone leaves and he comes to me and goes, okay, so I want to fuck the party over. Because I'm a warlock, right? And I was like, God, fucking damn it. Like, this is why I, I should have like known. I know. He was like, I'm just, just, you know, I don't think I'll actually kill them. <laughs> so pissed. The second the entire, one is, In fifth would, edition, the entire class of warlock is revolves around the fact that they don't want to be in the party. They don't like the people they're with. And they're, like, not good. And, you know, or... I don't know. I, I read like I, I ran a fifth edition game for a long time and I loved all the classes and stuff and nobody played a warlock. And I was reading through it. And I'm like, all of the powers, all the ability, all the lore, the entire feel of it is this person is a loner. The entire game is about teamwork. <laughs> yeah, but this I, class isn't. I said, it's I like, where the hell did this even come from? That's the totality of my warlock comments for the night. But my other <laughs> stories, I have done it where um, the group was investigating a um, a troop, like a, a play, and they knew that there was a doppelganger out there. And so they burst in, and they, they thought that the person who was going to be assassinated was in trouble. And one of the players steps up, brings up the dagger, goes for the attack, and reveals themselves as a doppelganger. And... I was like, okay, and then, you know, Carl, you burst into the room. You've been trying to catch up with the group the whole time, and the doppelganger that stole your look is right there ready to make the kill. So, like, he was – I didn't reveal the player to be the villain. I Mm. revealed the fact that, like, he played the character the whole time because the doppelganger had been following them and and did a perfect impersonation. Ah, and then had the player's character come in immediately, so he never had to stop playing, but explained that he had been tied up and had been struggling to catch up with the group. So that's the closest I've ever gotten. That's kind of like that's kind of like if you were playing a, a Marvel sort of superhero game, and then you know you've been playing for a while, and then without the players knowing, you introduce the Kree scroll thing in exactly, that's and it's exactly just like it, okay. Yeah. There are one d six scroll in the team now, so yeah. and then yeah, <laughs> but they've been there the, the whole show time. Up. Yeah, to be like, no, that's, that's cool. not. Yeah, that's cool. I did that. That's the closest I've ever got yeah. besides the asshole warlock. I did have <laughs> I did have a player who um, who set up a split personality. I know some people you know don't like that trope, but um, it was really interesting how he did it. There was two personalities, and they they were controlling one one body, and they were totally different class. So he'd oh, roll yeah. every time he woke up, he'd roll a, a D20 and a certain at a certain point, uh, certain values he was one and certain values he was the other. And so he and he played it really well. A total different personality. One was like running for things, really brash ranger. The other one was kind of holding back, quieter, bard. And uh it was it was very interesting. Certainly not villainous. So a little bit yeah. off topic there, but I, I I had that once. I had someone who wanted to do a split personality, but the personality was his mom's demonic soul in his body, and he was a pacifist. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, there, that's one way to do it. This called Pedro's mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> I had an no M- longer with us. <laughs> I had an NPC once that was uh, it was a player's mother. And she had run off, and she had been ran off because she was a warlock. In fifth edition game, NPC was a warlock. 
And I played it to where, you know, she has, she was like a 20th level warlock or whatever. And she, and I, I played it as a, a sort of split personality. The demon that possessed her and her, instead of just fighting and fighting and fighting and roiling and fighting and never getting anywhere, I mean, they had done that for years way off camera, had come to a detente. And they, they sort of had been at this detente so long that the demon had feelings and sympathies that were the mothers that kind of like meshed over to it. And then the mother had feelings and motivations and angers and horribleness from the demon that had meshed over into her as well. And I, I didn't do the sort of tennis match that you see in some games where people play split personalities where it's like, I'm the demon. It's like, Oh, but I love you, but I'm still going to kill you. It's like, that's that's just goofy as shit. It's it's like, I, I instead played this sort of character that had these contradictions. It's just like, I love you so much that I had to leave. Otherwise I would have murdered you. And it's, Whoa. it's, yeah. And it's like <laughs> the, the, all of these, co- these, these countries, I mean, it's a crazy person. It's a crazy, it's a person who, who for 20 years had been possessed by a demon and the demon was just like, I guess I'm you now. And then the person was like, I guess I'm you. And <laughs> who it was possessing it who? Right. Mm. Now there's this new third crazy person and the other two don't love exist it. anymore. I love it. That's so interesting. It was it was really interesting to play. It was very interesting. That that's what I love about villains because while this character was not the villain or even a villain, uh, they it's it's interesting to get into their headspace. Um, because even when you play as a player, not that Pedro would know this because he's he doesn't play, no, uh, but when you ever. play games, <laughs> I mean, generally you're twenty years. Generally you're the good guy. Or maybe you're the neutral guy. Rarely I've seen people play the bad guy. I've played a couple of evil campaigns. But even the evil campaigns are different. It, it's like the, there's maybe a gonzo aspect to it. Or maybe, you know, it's just like, well, there's a righteousness. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, the, the world just doesn't understand me and I'm going to rob banks. When you, pl- when you make a good villain, it is really interesting to get into their headspace. Because it isn't that gonzo, crazy sort of thing it's like you as a game master start asking yourself why there's this whole framework of the world and now there's this person in it why are they like that you know what why are they doing this how can i expand them and make them interesting rather than the snidely whiplash tying people up and throwing them on train tracks sort of evil um and and you get into stuff because you basically you take a person or personality and you break them, and they they're they're sort of broken and, and and shattered or damaged in some way, which set them on this path of not doing good things. As long as you're not playing the you know, well, they're not really a bad guy; they just run counter. If you're playing like an evil villain, then it's just like what went wrong in their life? What who hurt them? How did they hurt themselves? What are these shattered pieces of a personality? It's like taking a picture of a person and painting it on a, on a mirror piece of glass, then dropping it. And then you take, you sweep up those broken shards of glass that are so dangerous and you try to piece back a character and it's different and not right. And then that's your villain. Um, and it, it's really interesting, for, at least for me to play those characters because you you get into the stuff like the guy's mother, who was the warlock, who had come to a detente with the demon, and it wasn't a split personality. It was a new, broken personality that didn't make any sense because it, she left us and was now <laughs> this thing. Um, but it's also interesting too, like like political villains. Because I, I love polit- I love politics. I love political villain. I love history and stuff and economics and sociology. And I love like making this sort of working, at least in my mind, working sort of framework of a world and then putting someone in there. And it's just like, wh- how, how are they maneuvering behind the scenes? How are they moving in ways that the players don't see? Why are they moving that way? Why are they running counter 
to society and how things work. Why do they want to change that? Why, you know, oh, because they want power and money and, and just take over. It's just like, well, no, you, you can get an MBA and become an executive narcissist and just run a corporation, treat people poorly, make lots of money. And it's just like, no, why, that, that's not a villain. Why are they a villain? <laughs> yeah, you know, why? Why? How are they broken in some way? Hmm. It reminds me of um. No, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I was I was just gonna say, and you can uh, I won't interrupt your comment any further. The uh, the chat's talking about best villains, so I'm trying to think of mine. I'm trying to like best villain ever Ooh. from pop culture or whatever. So anywhere. Oh, from pop culture or from one that we've made in general. It's no pop culture. That's what we pop got. culture. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Pedro. Continue what you were. Oh, your point. Um. No, I I very much like villains. I, I like living worlds. I like things always going on. I like uh, what I call the San Dimas rule from Bill and Ted. Like the clock in San Dimas is always ticking, regardless of how much you time travel. Mm. And I didn't know there was a name for it. Uh, in Dungeon World, they call it fronts, where like you have your. I haven't read all of Dungeon World, but I guess the idea is like, and I, I was excited because it's what, what I do, but not as refined and cool as Adam. But um, <laughs> it's the idea of like you have your villain, you have your goals, and then you figure out what do they need to succeed, and they're always moving forward. Mm. And so you figure out what do they need to conquer and you just keep the world and the plate spinning. Even if the heroes are doing something else, it makes the villain seem more, um, it makes the villain seem almost like you get so much more texture out of them because they're always advancing their plot. They don't need the heroes there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, question from young one to what character that is a hero would you rather be or do you see as a villain? I because I've, I've been trying to wrap my brain around around the worst like your favorite villain question, um, so I will answer that with the same character that I would have said is Iron Man. Uh, I was going to say that. So specifically in the Civil War comic series, yeah, that's, that's oh Pedro, yes, <laughs> he's no, the I ultimate bad guy, but he has yep. like this this rich and 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 like almost good motivation for doing what he does, but he's It's very realistic. Oh, it's just so good. If Tony Stark gets his way in the comic book uh, uh, Civil War, Aunt May is dead. That's all there is to it. If if Tony Stark gets his way, Peter Parker reveals Aunt May is assassinated by Peter Parker's enemies. But it's for the greater good. So is Tony Stark bad? Oh, he's fucking garbage. (laughs) He's the worst. Tony Stark was made uh, to see... It was a challenge to see if you could make a person, a, a character that you like, but you're supposed to hate. You yeah. should hate them, but you actually like them. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what he is because he's the yeah. worst. Yeah, he's the worst. But he's smart and he's confident, and he he fail. And what what's really great about his character in the movies is that he's very human because he oh, fails. Yeah. He fails constantly. Mm. But, Downey Jr. is great. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. But he fails with Stark such Man's style and fun. grace when he does it. You know, he yeah. he, he fails he with fails up. Nosh. Yes, he does. <laughs> like everyone which, in corporate. Which, you don't ever get fired. You just fucking fail up. Which when, you, when you watch it, you're like, wow, that's really cool. And oh, no, But then when you money. think about it, it's like, oh, no. He, he didn't really pay for anything, did he? You know, well, I mean, guess, mm. guess he paid the himself he for the damage with damage control. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. Uh, Why was that a Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But I love that's a great question. I think if I had to change my answer, which I do because it's, um, <laughs> my answer, uh, what character, wait, yeah, what character that is a hero would you rather be or do? Uh, or do you see as a villain? And that answer for me is actually Batman. Mm. I would love to see, because there's a lot of commentary on like, he could just fix everything. He's so rich, you know, and it's a comic and you're supposed to. But if I wanted, like, I would love to see a story uh, examine him as a villain with, but like, not like, ah, oh, the Joker's a lawyer and he's being an asshole. Like, and he's really mean. No, literally, like the idea of a billionaire who is, keeping this city a playground he could fix it 
Mm. But he well, he's aware. It, well, I'm not saying like the typical argument, but just literally doing a story like a one-off where he knows he could put in the money into certain areas and he mm. wants a city I, of I would own. say I have two things to say about that. One, his father tried that and failed. He tried to fix the city with his money and he failed, depending on the storyline. Right. Two, the, the, Batman yeah. is already a bad guy. He's a vigilante. And oh, he goes and he yeah. grabs people and he pulls them off the street and there's no evidence. There's no due process. There's nothing. And because there is none of that, they can't put any of them in prison. Right. But because I mean, all they're superheroes wearing, are bad guys in that regard. Because they're sure. wearing crazy <laughs> I mean, like, outfits and doing weird stuff. Like in the they get put in an Gotham. insane asylum. Well, right. But in the context of Gotham and the fact, like, from the story's point of view, he is the good guy. But I would love to see a story where he blatantly knows. Like, he purposely keeps money from areas so that he can keep them ripe with crime and take advantage of it. Kind of like cops now. Oops. Hmm. We shouldn't have that conversation here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all right. So on that note, (laughs) running with cops is a great podcast that lets you explore the the television show cops and how they keep their show going. Oh, damn. That's (laughs) dark. That's dark. Anyway, I would love to see that Batman, a Batman that refuses to reinvigorate the set, the different areas of his city. And so that he can try. continue. So that Batman. he can be a man that goes out and beats people with his fist and the cool toys that he spends millions of dollars on. And that's kind of like, that yeah. yeah. like Mysterio too, you know, because yeah, yeah. that's Mysterio. It's not quite <laughs> yeah. his shtick, but in, yeah. a, in a certain way it is. Mysterio with, with uh, financial backing. <laughs> Right. And, and a board of directors. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Like, yeah. I know they've explored, they've touched on it. Batman, Bruce's father's like that. But like this one where he's like, Gotham's mine. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But sorry, I kind of went on there. But that's cool. Um, yeah. All right. So we're getting ready to wrap up. Any final thoughts before we put this one to bed? I just want to make an appropriate cop joke. <laughs> more cop jokes (laughs) (laughs) um uh no fall in love with your villains is my advice again yeah if you fall in love with your villains you're going to be amazed at what you can do because it lets you step out of yourself and just be a fan of them and then you're when you love something usually your your players love it yeah you gotta you gotta really take the temperature of the table too and Mm kind of understand how far you are pushing your villain because if you are not making a villain that is a snidely whiplash killing people just for the fun of it. And that means to me, you probably want your characters to interact with the villain, to talk to them, to challenge them, to be challenged by him. But if you push their evil too far, the players are, the villain just turns into a monster because then they're kill on sight. There's no conversation. So Mm. you really have to like balance that and understand the temperature of the room create a villain but don't become the villain <laughs> right Ooh, deep i think to the um to take them seriously and to you know don't like oh they do these evil things but like they do these evil things because of this yeah. um don't don't you know don't give the players a, a a hook to say like oh well that's the reason that you're the absolute worst you don't need to find that because they will totally find it themselves <laughs> just give them their own their own motivation their own selves and respect who they are and you're gonna you're mm-hmm. gonna get a memorable villain all right um and go ahead and tell everybody where to, where they can find you uh, so once again, I'm Scrim. Uh, I uh, frequent on the Shadowcasters network uh, as a DM and, and a player. So hit me up there. Schedule's on, on Twitch. And I'm Chad. I am on feartheboot.com, a role-playing game advice podcast. You can also find me at morningsky.com. That's morning, S-K-Y-E. And uh, I'm Pedro, GM and creator of Worldwalkers. Search for us wherever fine podcasts are given away. You can look for Worldwalkers, Worldwalkers Cog is our steam-powered themed one, and then Worldwalkers, the other ones, is about if um, heroes were given a destiny and said, fuck that, let's do a self-startup instead. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Scrim, Chad, and Pedro for hosting this week. Uh, And... 
thank you to Young One Two who had two great questions for us, uh, and then uh, Dusty Van City, and then as always, Angry Cheese Toast coming in with uh, mm-hmm. some strong questions as well. Um, next week hosts are Pete Scrims back again for another week, and uh, Dan will be joining the other two. So um, we will see you next week. Later on. Later.